Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burragoon campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Lord God, you are the holy God. And Lord, you call each one of us to a life of holiness. We fall short. But Lord, our attainment of that holiness is only possible in Christ. So Lord, we just pray this morning that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd move amongst us. Do your work, Lord, of drawing us to yourself. When our sin would separate us, Lord, you draw us close with your forgiveness, with your grace. But Lord, give us a fresh revelation this morning of your holiness, of our fallenness, of our sin, that we might turn to you and find grace in our time of need. Lord, we thank you for the gentleness of your presence. Speak to us through your word, we pray this morning. We ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Thank you to the team. Thank you for serving us this morning. Well, good morning again. It's good to be together, isn't it? And a welcome to those of us joining us online this morning. Now and then it's good to do something different, isn't it? it uh, it's been good over the last few weeks to hear some different voices from around our city and um, get a different perspective. And uh, in the context of this series that we've called One Church, just to get a sense, I think we've had it over the last few weeks, a sense that um, God is always doing something bigger than kind of our own immediate context. We're all part of something bigger that God is doing. It's a good reminder. And uh, certainly we've had lots of good feedback, great feedback from this series. And uh, by the way, I've also had great um, consistent feedback from each of our guest speakers that they've loved being here. They love our church. So I said, well, you can't have it, but you can welcome anytime. Uh, but um, that's good feedback. That's very encouraging. So this morning I'm rounding out that series with this message about being mature So let me start here. While we were away on leave, this happened. Our little grandson was born. What about that, eh? Have a look at him. What a cutie. His name is Freddie. (laughs) It's just a cute name, isn't it? Well, we found it. It kind of grows on you. Initially, we were thinking, oh, I'm not sure about that, but certainly it grows on you. (laughs) What I discovered was that um, we love him to bits, actually, But Freddie would have to be just about the most selfish person that I know. (laughs) He only seems to think about himself. He's got no real consideration for others. He wants everyone to be at his beck and call, you know, to attend to his needs, seem more important than anyone else's. He's demanding. So if he's hungry, for example, in the middle of the night, if you don't mind, he cries and carries on like a baby, (laughs) expecting someone else to come and feed him. Selfish, we might say. 
So I've been thinking about that, actually. I'm thinking, well, it works for Freddie. I might give that a go myself. Um, hey, Margie, psst. It's 3 a.m. I'm hungry. Can you make me a sandwich? I haven't tried that yet. Um, I don't reckon it would go so well. See, Freddie is an infant, so in fact he's behaving exactly how you would expect an infant to behave. He's three and a half months old, and so we don't expect that much of him at this point. You'll be relieved to know. Uh, You know, when Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he described them as mere infants in Christ. Mere infants. He seemed pretty disappointed, actually, that they hadn't reached a higher level of maturity by now. It's as though they'd come to faith in Christ, they'd been born again. You know, remember as Jesus described when he had that conversation with Nicodemus? Nicodemus, you must be born again. They'd been born again. Uh, But Paul's expectation was that over time and by now, they would have grown and matured, actually, in their faith. But instead, they've remained as spiritual infants. Let's read what, uh, what Paul has to say to them. We're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You're still worldly. He's a bit upset, isn't he? You can tell he's a bit upset about this. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not waiting for the next screen? (laughs) Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants, the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are fellow workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Amen. The church at Corinth has a few issues. It's a church with a few problems. Any of you ever been a part of a church that has a few problems? Well, you're in one right now. And some of the problems are sitting here with us this morning. (laughs) I wonder if the following people would uh, mind standing up. No, no, don't we do that. (laughs) There's a few nervous faces out there this morning. (laughs) In fact, the truth is, one of the problems, one of the key problems, is preaching right now. See, at the heart of the problem in the church, in every case, is the brokenness of humanity. And the truth is, 
friends, well, friends. <laughs> We're all a little bit broken. We all make mistakes. We're all prone to being a bit defensive, a bit fragile, a bit insecure. And out of our woundedness comes that tendency that we all have actually to hurt one another. We react badly, people say the wrong thing, or their words come out wrong. Has that ever happened to you? You say things, and oh, that didn't, didn't sound right. It didn't come out how I expected it. And then people take offence. How dare they say that? Who does she think she is to say that to me? Amen. <laughs> Should we change places? <laughs> Offence is a very dangerous thing, actually. It's a tool in the hands of the evil one. And it's a mark of spiritual immaturity. Once you take offence, we've all done it. Once you take offence, the shutters go up, don't they? And relationships are damaged. Communication breaks down. See, when I feel offended, when I've taken offence, what I really need to do is go straight to the person who's caused the offence and talk to them about it. I feel a bit offended. These are the conversations, these critical conversations we need to have. I feel a bit offended by what you've said, by what you've done. And so I'd like to talk to you about it and explain why I feel... I want you to hear my side of the story. I want you to hear why I feel upset about what you've said, what you've done. Let's talk this through. But that's a process that involves some confrontation and for most of us that seems too difficult, doesn't it? So we avoid that very often and we go for the easier option. The easier option is for us to talk about our sense of being offended with some other people. And always in confidence, you know, uh, which just simply means we just tell one person at a time <laughs> about our sense of being offended and generally our goal is to garner support that will make us feel better and make us feel justified in that sense of hurt that we're so carefully nursing. And what we hope is that people will then side with us and say, well, you're right to feel that way. That's outrageous that he should say that. That's unfair. Oh, you poor thing. That must have been awful for you. He had no right, etc., etc. And all of a sudden, we have some allies. And all of a sudden, actually, what we've done is we've, create, we've created a divide between people. Through that whole process, what we're doing is opening up relational rifts between people, division, and operating in great immaturity. The problem in the Corinthian church is that they think of themselves as one thing, spiritual, when in fact they are another thing divided. And you can't be both of those things at the same time. Spiritually alive and divided. The two are mutually exclusive. So in response, Paul wants them to stop behaving like mere humans. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? You behave like mere humans. You, you people are full of the spirit. 
but you're behaving like mere humans. Stop behaving, in other words, in a way that is worldly, in a way that is unspiritual. Now, Paul, interestingly, Paul's not suggesting they don't have the Holy Spirit. They do have the Holy Spirit. They're people of the Spirit. The problem is that they are thinking and behaving in a way that is inconsistent with the Spirit, inconsistent with life in the Spirit, inconsistent with maturity in Christ, a level of maturity that they should have attained to but have not yet attained to. They think they're spiritual, but their behaviour suggests otherwise. And here's something that's important for us to understand. Where there is jealousy and quarrelling, this is kind of the, the phrasing that Paul uses in Corinthians, as, describe, as Paul describes there, where there's offence taken and not dealt with maturely. Offence will always be taken in different circumstances, but where it's not dealt with maturely in the body of Christ, listen to this, not all are guilty, but all are affected. All are defiled by the actions of the few. The whole body actually is affected. Let me illustrate that. A while ago, um, I had a small cut on my finger. And uh, initially I thought, oh, it's just a small cut on a small part of my body. Um, I won't pay too close attention to that. I won't worry about that. Uh, well, that was a mistake, <laughs> as it turned out, because the cut became infected. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of waking up in the middle of the night with your finger or your toe or whatever part of the body that is throbbing with the pain of infection due to a small, seemingly innocuous cut that you should have paid closer attention to and should have dealt with sooner. But now, this has happened. And so now no longer is the problem just for your finger. Now it's a problem for the body. Now my whole body is involved when it wants to be sleeping at 3 a.m. My whole body's involved. My whole body seems to be feeling that pain at 3 a.m. Now my legs have to get involved at 3 a.m. to walk to the laundry where the, the disinfectant, this is a picture I took the other day in my laundry, this is where the disinfectant and the, notice the advanced healing band-aids are stored. Do you want to get some of those? Spiritual band-aids, extra spiritual, advanced healing band-aids. At 3 a.m., my whole body is wide awake and very much aware of the pain and so my whole body gets involved and works together to resolve that pain as efficiently as possible. Now, so it is with the body of Christ. As people take offence and factions develop, division, infection. As groups form opinions about other groups and this person is not speaking to that person, Infection sets into the body and the whole body is affected. It spreads. We all feel the pain of that. We often don't understand or realise that, you know, this deep truth that my sin, my stubbornness, my pride, my refusal to resolve relational issues well affects the whole body of Christ, which is a living, breathing organism with Christ at the head. And so we need to disinfect with the Savlon ointment of grace and forgiveness. 
and the advanced healing that flows from the cross. Deal with these things well, as immature people will. And by the way, when I take my unresolved offence and I hide it away and move on to another church, understand that all I'm doing in that case is spreading the infection further afield to the next place, which by the way is also part of the same body of Christ in a different location. But I'll just take that infection with me and just spread it somewhere else. One of the issues in the Corinthian church was to do with leadership and people's allegiance to different leaders. I follow Paul, some would say, and then others would say, oh, oh we follow Apollos. There was an extra spiritual group he mentions earlier in the letter that said, oh, well, we follow Christ, the super spiritual ones. Well, I reckon in the 21st century, our related issue is to do with denomination. Now, I've got nothing against denomination as such, but I do take issue when denominationalism creates barriers to unity across the body of Christ. See, problems arise when we begin to compare and posture ourselves as superior. We are Baptists. We're not like those crazy Pentecostals, for example. I wouldn't have said that last week, would I? We're not like those boring Anglicans or stuck in tradition like those Catholics. See, those comments and attitudes stem from immaturity and a lack of understanding, a lack of respect for the wider body of Christ. What it boils down to, actually, is a lack of love. And so we need to love the Pentecostals' goodness. We might learn something from their enthusiasm. We need to love the Anglicans. We might learn something from their liturgy and their sense of awe. I remember many years ago meeting an older Baptist pastor from a country town here in WA that will um, perhaps best remain nameless. As he chatted about his church and his town, I began to get a picture of the state of the body of Christ in that place. He said, I'll never forget this comment. He said to me, yeah, we, uh, we lost a couple of people recently to the Pentecostals. <laughs> and he, you know, he said it like that, with kind of with derision in his voice, in his tone, like those good Baptists had somehow crossed over to the dark side <laughs> and, uh, you know, become the enemy. Well, then it got worse. He said, it's okay, though. We, uh, we scored a couple from the Anglican church. They've come over to our side. He looks so excited. They've come over from the Anglican side. They've come over to our side to join the Baptists. I thought, well, hallelujah. <laughs> I was pretty young at the time. He was much, a much older man. But I remember thinking at the time, everything that you're saying is offensive. <laughs> it's, it's an offence. It's an offence to the gospel. It's an offence to the kingdom. It's an offence to the body of Christ. Suspicion, competition, cynicism, these are ugly words, have no place in the church and I didn't have the words at the time or the wherewithal or the guts probably to say anything. So instead I just took offence and now I'm sharing that with you. 
The irony is not lost on me. <laughs> you know, I could almost hear the Apostle Paul saying to him, I couldn't address you as a person who lives by the Spirit. You are a mere infant in Christ. Here's a man who'd been serving God in the church as a pastor for many, many years, an older man. I could hear Paul saying, you're a mere infant in Christ. You should know better. And the church in that town is lacking maturity, so there is no unity. There's no spirit of oneness or cooperation or collaboration. Instead, there's division and competition between churches. And today, to my knowledge, there is no active geo-network in that town of pastors and leaders who come together in prayer and in humility and in unity to pray together for the flourishing of the church in that town, for the flourishing of the town. It's a town of brokenness. Psalm 133 says, when brothers and sisters come together in unity, there God commands a blessing. He commands it. Blessing. Where there's unity, blessing. Blessing on those people. Blessing on that place. Blessing on that town. But where there is dividedness and factions and offence and immaturity, there is no blessing. There won't be blessing. As Paul writes to the Corinthian church here, he now moves on to the language of agriculture and the planting of seed. And he says to the church in verse 9, you are God's field. And the seed is the seed of truth that's sown into the hearts of those who have ears to, to hear. And Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God is the one who makes it grow. It's a wonderful truth. Here at Mount Pleasant, you know, one of my key roles is to preach, as you're uh, experiencing as right now. As I preach, I'm, my prayer is that I'm, I'm planting seeds. That's my intent. Seeds of truth, seeds of life, seeds of hope, seeds of conviction, seeds of faith, seeds of joy. You can plant those seeds, most of you do, many of you do in conversations you have with people at work, at school, at uni, wherever you are. Preaching is not the only way that happens. But as I preach, hopefully some of those seeds lodge in the good soil of your heart. But then, of course, we understand, hopefully, that more than needs to happen. Those seeds then need to be watered, otherwise they remain dormant and they remain in infancy. Especially if all you do is rely on an occasional Sunday morning to receive a seed of truth. That's where others get involved as you place yourself in an environment of growth like a connect group or a ministry where you're surrounded by a healthy community of believers who will water the seed and feed and nourish you and strengthen your faith and deepen your understanding of those seeds of truth and then God will make it grow. That's what he does best. This is God's purpose for you expressed so beautifully in Ephesians 4, 12 and 13 that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. This is his goal for you, that we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's nothing wrong with infants. An infant is a beautiful thing. Take a look at Freddie. It's beautiful. 
But, you know, I'll tell you this, if Freddie gets to primary school or high school age and his parents are still spoon-feeding him, you know, like still changing his nappy in year 12, <laughs> right? We say, oh, well, goodness, something's gone wrong with the whole maturing process. When it comes to spiritual maturity, yes, God is the one who brings the growth and enables us to grow, but that doesn't happen automatically. Growth is not automatic. Maturity is not automatic. You know, you're born again, as John, Jesus says in John 3. You're a spiritual infant at that point. Well, then from there, you have a part to play. God is the one who makes the growth, who brings maturity, but you have a part to play in ensuring that the soil of your heart is well-conditioned and soft and always ready to receive the next seed that the Spirit of God plants in your heart. You have a part to play in making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Keep short accounts. Resolve differences. Forgive quickly when people let you down or disappointment disappoint you, and they will. People here, this person will let you down. People will disappoint you. Talk it through with the person who's caused the offence. Pray with them. Work it through. And then show grace. Forgive quickly. Love. Make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Think about it. Am I doing that? Is it what I'm doing in my life? Am I making every effort to do that? These are the things that will bring us to a place of greater spiritual maturity in Christ. This is his will for us in Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, as we round off our One Church series this morning, there's just something I want to share with you at a personal level. You know, uh, we all have a call of God on our lives. Uh, God calls us to different roles. He's called, he's called you to a role, different roles that you play different tasks, different good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do, for you to do. And so our responsibility actually before God is to prayerfully discern those things and to respond to God in faith and in obedience. It's a great question to ask on a regular basis. What is it that God's called me to do? Who's he, who's he called me to, to be with, to speak to? What's the environment that he's placed me in? So there's a call on my life to a leadership role here at Mount Pleasant. And, uh, you know, I love that. I love this church. I'm deeply committed to this place. There's also a call in my life. I've discovered something wider in terms of fanning into flame the unity of the body of Christ across our city and across our state. It's just, it's, it's a call that uh, others have recognised in me. And over recent years, there have been times, certainly I've felt a tension between these two callings the calling to this church and the calling to something wider. There's a tension in that and uh, how to balance those things. But as I've returned from leave, there's something I believe the Lord's saying to me and that's, that is this, that, that these are not two separate unrelated callings in two different directions, but one calling in the same direction. And if that's the case, and my belief is that God has a role for us 
together as a local church to engage with the wider body of Christ to nurture greater unity, which will lead to greater maturity of the church across our city and our state. It's a precious calling that I believe we have together and collectively. Now, my confession is I don't really fully understand what that means or what that might look like, but we're exploring that in prayer as a ministry leader team and uh, begun that with the board as well. Am I saying that as a church we're something extra special? Uh, absolutely not. No, each church has its own calling and its own place. But perhaps, and I'll invite you to discern this with me together, Perhaps God is positioning us and forming us in such a way that we've been given a particular kingdom role here in our city. And so all I'd do this morning is leave that with you and say let's seek him on that together because he'll lead us, he'll show us. But it begins with a collective call to deeper maturity in Christ. And so I want to close this morning by inviting you to pray with me the prayer of David in Psalm 139. I'll put it up on the screen. It's a beautiful prayer. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's bow in prayer. Lord God, we offer you that prayer this morning together. It's a courageous prayer in many ways because it's a prayer that almost certainly will lead to some kind of action of response. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And Lord, would you deal with those things in our lives, in our relationships together, those relationships that are fractured, that cause anxiety in our hearts, that require action, forgiveness, and love, and grace. Those offensive ways in me where I've taken offence and I've left it undealt with. Forgive me, Lord. Give me courage, Lord, to deal with those things rightly in order that infection may not spread through the body of Christ. And in order, Lord, that you might bring me and bring us together to a place of greater maturity in Christ, greater unity, together and with our brothers and sisters across our city, greater humility, greater love, greater understanding. We thank you, Lord, for the mighty army that you're building across our city, across our state, as we learn more of what it means to be one people, one church, united together in Christ. 
Build your church, Lord, we pray. And Lord, bring us along in a way that's healthy and that's leading towards deeper maturity in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.